Good evening, friends. So happy to be out again tonight to serve the Lord and to speak of His goodness to you, His people, the purchase of His love. And last evening we had a marvelous time. The Lord Jesus certainly blessed in an outstanding way, which we were very happy about it. And um, feeling as the second time that ever happened in my uh, career was immediately after being under the anointing for maybe 25 or 30 minutes, and then just before to make an altar call, snapped right back to myself again. I, that's the Praise second the time that ever happened. Praise and that was a time meeting just before this at the close of the meeting at Table Tabernacle in Indianapolis. Always, I might try to explain it, if I could, just for a moment. It's another world, and after a vision or two, you see people there and see what's happened, or just another life, another time, maybe 40 years back from now, or maybe years ahead from now. And it's just as real as it is I'm standing right here. Then imagine after a few times you begin to wonder really where you're at. See? And it isn't me doing that. It isn't God doing that. It's you doing that. It's your faith. Your faith is what does that. Now, I might explain it just for a little bit, and uh, you would understand. Now, uh, I've usually explained it like this. And maybe to the newcomer here that never heard me try to explain it, see, a gift, all the fullness of God, the head bodily, dwelt in Jesus Christ. We know that. He was all. He was God incomplete. The, the dove came down as we preached the other night on the dove and the lamb, and the dove abode in the lamb. He stayed there. He was Emmanuel. God was in his tabernacle. That's right. The, the Son of God, which is Jesus, was the flesh of God, a tabernacle that God dwelled in here on the earth. Right. And now, that was, that was Christ, and God became united. And that's the way God could be seen. No man has seen the Father at any time. But the only begotten Son has declared Him. See? In other words, God was in Christ showing His attitude towards the people. See? Uh, what He was, what God was, He was expressing Himself through Jesus, His Son. See? As He dwelt in Him, making uh, Jesus and God, uh, Jesus being the tabernacle that God was dwelling in here on earth. Right. A body has now prepared, you see. And God dwelt in Jesus Christ. And that made the Father and the Son united together. Now, and become one. Now, notice. Now, what was in Christ was the fullness of the Spirit. The entire fullness of God. God gave Christ the Spirit without measure. But He's given to us by measure. Christ has all the measure. Everything. He was Emmanuel. But you and I are a little cupful out of that seed. But when the Spirit that's in us is of the same quality, not as much in quantity, but the same quality because it's part of the same Spirit. Right. See? Now, if I've taken a spoonful of water out of the ocean, well, you'd never miss it. The spoonful of water. Yet, if I took it to the lavatory, the same chemical that's in the entire ocean would be in this spoonful. The same type of chemical. Well, that's the way the Christian is. 
His makeup after he's received Christ is the same makeup with the same attributes that Christ was. Exactly because it's a spoonful of God as we it's to be measured out and give to each individual makes you a son and daughter of God. Now, Christ, when he was here on earth, let me just explain this as I tried last night. He said, I, the Son, talking about God's Son, Christ, the, the Spirit dwells in. The Son can do nothing in himself. But what he sees the Father doing, the Father used the eyes of the Son, he used the lips of the Son, now he uses your eyes and your lips. He said, when you're brought before governors and rulers and kings and so forth for my sake, take no thought what you shall say. For it will be given to you in that hour. It's not you that speaketh, but my Father. God that's in you, he does the speaking. If you premeditate, then, then you do your own thinking. But if you're just willing to be the lamb, then the devil is speaking. See what I mean? The dove does the speaking. Well, that's the same way that he, see how the Spirit of God runs all down to the church? Now, now watch here. And this will explain something else about the weakness. Now, when Jesus said that he did nothing until the Father showed him. Now, let's take, for instance, the resurrection of Lazarus. Now, in the resurrection of Lazarus, why was it strange Jesus had been right there with him all his life? And all of a sudden, he'd take a notion to go away. And he went away. He knew Lazarus was going to die. So then, after he was gone a few days, Lazarus took sick, they sent for him to come pray for him. He just went off. Went to another city. They sent again, still he never went. And after so many days, he said, our friend Lazarus is asleep. Then they questioned, let him rest, that he's dead. And for your sake, I'm glad I wasn't there. Because they would be trying to persuade him to do something against what the Father had shown him. Now, how many believe the Father had already showed him what was going to take place? Had he? Because he said he did nothing until the Father showed him. Said, but what? Said, but I go with him. You know what was going to take place? The Father showed him. Watch him at the grave. Father, I thank thee that I was already heard. But for these that stand by, I said it. I don't have to pray. Because you done told me what was going to be done. But I, I'm an example to them. See? Uh, Paul said, like, in, uh, now just to change it slightly here, all things to me are, are lawful, but not all expedient. See? Now, Jesus didn't have to pray, because he said, Father, thank thee, thou hast already heard. Yeah. But for these who stand by, I said it for their sake. That's right. See? That's right. Then he said, Lazarus, come forth. And a dead man, that had been dead four days, stood on his feet and lived again. Now, a few days before that, a little woman went to a crowd of people and touched his garment, and he declared that he got weak. Now, which was the greatest miracle? That little woman being healed of a blood issue, or a man with, with skin worms crawling through his flesh to come back to his normal flesh again, and a soul that had been gone four days, bring his flight right back and stand on his feet and live again. Well, it was a thousand times greater miracle than the woman healing. But that didn't bother him. But the woman touching his garment bothered him. Well, Brother Adam, can he explain that? Yes. See, Christ was God's love gift to the world. You believe that? Amen. Greatest gift that God ever gave was his only begotten son. Is that right? That was God's greatest gift. Now, God had his gift in his son and could use it any way he wanted to. Now, when God showed him something to do, 
That was God doing it. Yeah. Now, God hadn't shown him this, and the woman does. But her faith in God moved God to his son because that was her point of contact. You see what I mean? Now, she pulled from God by her faith what she desired as she touched the garment of the Son of God. Now, that was the woman doing something. The other was God doing something. Now, this morning, or last night, when I left here, after I've been gone a few minutes, I thought I'd go get something to eat. Fellow would do that after one of those meetings. Now, if I'm preaching, I always go eat. I went and got something to eat. I come back. I went to my room. I sat and talked to Billy a while. We went to bed, prayed. Just a few moments, something come in, and a vision that there's a great crash coming, and for me, real quickly, to be on my knees of praying, right at once, because there's somebody in there that was praying for me to pray for them. And this morning, in the paper, two big liners crashed together, one of them hit me, one of them hit There it was, and some was killed. See, the Holy Spirit... Going ahead to prayer, Mr. Eckbert, many of you all know him, don't you? Iron Eckbert, one of her singers from Sweet. He was making a forced landing as he flew over the world and was going in, and the hydraulic let the wheels down on the plane. They told him he's going to have to skip it in on the grass and try it. Take his glasses off, laid on the floor, and he began to pray. He said, Lord Jesus, help me at this time, and I pray that somewhere that you'll let Brother Brandon be praying for me. And at the same time, I was driving down the road. And something said, pray. And Brother Egbert come in front of me with his hands up. I slipped off the side of the road and prayed for Brother Egbert. And just as the time the plane come down, the pilot gave a great shout back. The wheels has come down. And they landed safely. I, I was going to ask Brother Egbert. We just got to California about two months after that. And standing in a tent meeting, he said, focus. Now I said, Brother Egbert, what day was that? And I told somebody else behind me. I said, what, what day it was? I said, what day was Just exactly the same time. See, that's the Holy Spirit making intercessions, you see. And how marvelous. Oh, I've seen it done hundreds of times, the things. But that's the that's sovereign grace of God. Now, the pulling, the people, you people, is the one who, that I have not one thing to do with that. It's just the gift of God that I yield myself to it, and you draw from it yourself. You out there in meeting. You can sit and begin to pray to God. Watch you turn right around and say something to you. Say what you're praying about and what you ask for. How many have seen it done? Let's see your hand. Yeah, sure. See? That's you doing that, not me. Well, that was a woman doing that to Christ. See, it's strict in the Bible. Maybe it might not be just the way you expected it to be, but that's the way God made it. Now, see, the Pharisees and all of them, they had their way that Jesus or Christ was to come, and God sent him in such a different way that they failed to see. See? But now, they, that's the way it is today. You might think that God operates his business a different way, but God doesn't change. He stays just the same all the time. And so now, last night, usually when them visions are so many, it makes me so weak. And in Indianapolis, they were taking me from a meeting where a great, mighty, there had been a girl that had been on the platform. Uh, first, a lady sitting down there was paralyzed. And had been paralyzed for months. Oh, wait a minute. I beg your pardon. I think it's about six, seven years. And all at once, the Holy Spirit come over the woman before thousands times thousands of people and said to her what she was and all about it and told her to rise up in the name of the Lord that she was healed. She was paralyzed or arthritis. And the lady got up normal and well. 
The next day, her doctor called me up and wanted to know what happened to that woman as his patient. Now, come down to the hotel room. Now, this deaf and dumb girl, that a little alcoholic that was here once in my meeting had brought us in Joliet, Illinois, and she'd had a couple of prayer cards but couldn't get in the line, and that night, it had to be that I stayed longer. I think I had close to 25 people had come to the line. This looked like I had super strength that night. And the little mute come up in the line, and the Lord Jesus made her perfectly whole right there before the audience. And I, and I felt myself weaving, and Billy kept hitting me in the side, and some of us uh, speaking to me, and I knew that was for me to go. And as I started to go, I looked up, and here was another Cato's Tabernacle up here. And I seen people just screaming down the aisle. And I made my own altar call. And about 500 souls come to Christ. And the next time I had a, one of these meetings was last night. And just as I was leaving and Billy hadn't taken me from the platform, all of a sudden I snapped right back and feel better to do right now. And that's how I made the altar call. God, perhaps I pray that he has, has done something for me, and that night I can make my altar call afterwards, because after all, that's what the meeting is for, is to make altar calls. Amen. Now, love with all your heart? All right, fine. Now, maybe in a night or two, we say Saturday night perhaps, we'll have another healing service, and maybe Sunday night, and I want to announce if it's all right with Brother Moore, and, um, and his church Sunday morning, I have a drama. How many likes drama? I believe last time I hear I had a drama of a woman washing Jesus' feet with her tears and bathing him. How many heard that? It's, all right. I have one Sunday, the Lord willing, as, for the tabernacle, or this coming Sunday morning. And it's dedicated to the young folks. And, of course, you're always young from 8 to 80, you know, so just all of you, the old ones, will get just as much enjoyment out of it as the young ones. The Lord willing, we'll have a Sunday morning, and you're invited out. Now, tonight, today I've been so tired, I was up late last night, and the vision had me up, and then usually visions work on me pretty hard. That's the reason that all these meetings I'm trying to maybe take a few nights off and preach, then a few nights and have a healing service, and then back. I'm trying to make myself adjusted to meetings where we're going to get a big tent and stay for... Three and four weeks at a time in a place. And so we pray that God will help me to do that. And now I couldn't go every night like that. I just, one meeting and I'd be done. But God didn't give it to me like that. I misused it. And I've tried to just because to rally the people. But I'm beginning to think it's best to listen to God instead of what anyone says. It's always best. Now tonight, we want to speak to you for a few moments. And now... How many things feel like we want to have another healing service in the night or two? Let's see your hands. Just kind of get the general opinion of the people. Well, that's about half and half. All right. Then we'll, you bring your sick folks in again, let's see, say Saturday night. And then, uh, or maybe tomorrow night and then have it again Sunday night. Maybe that'd be better. Have it tomorrow night and then Sunday night. Yeah. Tomorrow night we'll have healing service. All right. We'll pray for the sick again tomorrow night and then have it again Sunday night and make every other night. Then next week, right down towards the close, I've got to leave here and drive just as hard as I can, 3,700 miles to the next meeting. Way as far as roads go at the end of the world, Prince Albert, Saskatchewan. No more roads beyond that, across the top of the world. Last time we was there, we had 10,000 in a meeting, Indians and Eskimos. And so we're expecting a great time there, five days. And I'll tell you what happened. 
the preachers who sowed one another's throat up there and fussed with one another through Canada until the farmers got sick and tired. One says, well, if they have anything to do with it, we'll bring Brother Branham in, but we will, if they have anything to do, we're not coming. So if they have it, well, we're not coming. We don't have anything to do with it. So the farmers got together and rented the auditorium and we don't have to even take up an offering. Amen. It's all paid for. Amen. Now that's the love of God. The farmers are showing up the preachers. <laughs> God's land is on the farm, looks like. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> oh, I just love him. Don't you love him? Isn't there something about it just lightens up your heart when you think of him? Just to think that it's all finished now and we're resting and loving and worshiping and passing by, throwing out the lifeline to everyone we can say, Come along, brother, this is wonderful. There's nothing like it. All eternity, forever and ever, it's all settled now, it's all over. Isn't that wonderful? How many has got that whole bit of tonight? Raise your hand. Yeah. Oh, my. Two-thirds better than two-thirds of the audience has that blessed hope in them that they are anchored in Jesus. How wonderful. I asked my wife not long ago, I said, I want to ask you something, honey. I, I said, what is real true value placed on? I believe I told you that all the other night. What the true value? Nothing but lost souls is the only thing that's got any value in it. Money passes away. Yeah. Homes decay and go away. Yeah. Everything in the earth moves away. The only value, lasting value, I'd rather have one soul in glory that I want to Christ to know and see as that light of God circles around that soul through all eternity, my name to be associated with that, and to have every penny of money in the world. Because it has to lose it all. But what you send up there is eternal. And that's the reason we're trying. My lost brother and sister tonight, without hope, without God, that's why I'm here to speak to you, to try to get you to love the Lord Jesus. I want to read some of his blessed words. Before doing it, let us speak to him in prayer. And bow our heads. Sister on the organ, if you will, or the piano. One, just a little word of abide with me. I just love that song. All right, abide with me while we have our heads bowed. How many would like to be remembered in this prayer? Would you just raise your hand? God bless you. That's fine. How many here that's really not feeling real good in your soul? With everyone in your heads bowed, now just let the Holy Spirit now look. Would you raise up your hand? God bless you. God bless you. Oh, wonderful. God be with you. Our Heavenly Father, we just love thee, Lord, because the has first loved us. And we're thanking tonight those who raised their hands just now, saying in their soul they wasn't just exactly feeling right. Now the reason they did that is because you spoke to them. You said, there's no man can come to me except the Father draws him first. And he that will obey that drawing, I'll give him everlasting life. And I'll raise him up at the last day. Oh, God, may, before this service ends, may those who are weary, with hands that are hanging down, face down towards the earth, walking, may them feeble hands be lifted up, Tears of joy running down their cheeks, looking towards the Lamb of God in gratefulness of pure and holy salvation. Grant it, Lord. Remember the others who raised their hands. Some might be sick, Lord. Heal them tonight, will you? Just let the Holy Spirit go right out over the audience 
everywhere and heal the sick, save the lost, bring near to these, to you, Lord, those who are a little wayward and different. They're your children. They just can't find rest nowhere. May they come back to the ark tonight. Change their spirit to a lamb, meekly and humbly. Come to the Lord. For we ask that in Christ's name. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Very familiar chapter tonight to read a verse out of it. John 3.16 For God so loved the world, He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish, but have everlasting life. I pray with me for those who raise their hands and for those who are needy of Christ. I want you to give me your undivided attention for just 20 or 30 minutes before the altar call and we'll see what the Holy Spirit will tell us to do. Now, I'm going to speak tonight on love. I think love is the greatest force there is in the world. There's nothing more powerful than love. If I had the choice tonight and was a sinner and was standing here before God and he'd say, Now, boy, I'm going to give you all nine spiritual gifts. I'm going to let you prophesy, give you the spirit of prophecy. I'm going to make you a mighty preacher, give you the word of wisdom and understanding. I'm going to give you the gift of speaking tongues and to interpret. I'm going to give you a gift of healing that you'll have great faith for the sick. And I'm going to do all these things for you. Now, I'll give you all that or I won't let you have any of those things. But let you have real love in your heart. I say, God, give me love. For where there is tongues, they shall speak. Where there is prophecy, it will uh, fail. Where there is knowledge, it will vanish. But where there is love, it will endure forever. That's what drove the heart of God to send Christ to the earth. Here some time ago, a little story was told me of a mother. And a young girl had been away to college and on her road back. She brought a young girl home with her. And the girl was a, one of those little modern snickle fritz, we call it, you know, just kind of a little feisty. So her mother was out to meet her. And so when the young lady looked around and seen the old the mother, the young lady's with her said, Oh, who's that old hag? Oh, she's all scarred up. And the young lady that had been away, she was ashamed to say it was her mother because her little self-styled friend had said she looked like a hag. So when they had to finally leave the train, while the, the mother ran up to the daughter and said, Oh, darling, I'm so glad to see And the girl turned her back and walked away because she's ashamed of her ugly-looking mother. Uh, in a sight, in the presence of her little girlfriend from college. And it had to be the conductor that was standing there news the case. He called that young girl and turned around. He said, Mary, what makes you act like that? What's happened to you since you've been away? He said to the girl that was with her, said, no doubt for what you're looking at that ugly mother of hers. She said, I've seen, the conductor said, I've seen the day when she is twice as pretty as her daughter will ever be. But said, I have to live in a neighborhood. And this girl was a baby upstairs. Her mother's in the backyard washing. 
And all of a sudden, the fire engines run up and come to find out the house was on fire. And it was caught, and there was no possible chance for the baby to be saved. And this mother ran through those blazes, a beautiful woman, run through the blazes and grabbed the baby and jerked her clothes from her body and wrapped the baby's face up in it and rushed through those blazes back. And that's what made her ugly. It tore the meat from her face. And that's what her, she's all been over for the fire has brought her down and said, and the reason she's, you're pretty, that's why she has made ugly so you could be pretty. And then you're ashamed of her. I saw and I heard the story. That's right. What Jesus became for us. He became death and sin that we who were really guilty and sinners. Oh my! You say, if that had been my mother, I'd have been proud about her. What about your Lord tonight? Are you really ashamed of Him? Or are you really proud that He saved you and you're willing to give a testimony? Divine love is one of the most powerful forces. It's, it's the, one of the greatest forces in the world. And when divine love has been projected and comes to its end, then sovereign grace will take its place. Now that's my text. When divine love has been projected, project divine love and it comes to its end till it can't go no farther then sovereign grace will come in and take its place now do you realize being a son or daughter of God that you are a minor creator do you know you create the atmosphere that you live in do you realize that the atmosphere that you dwell in you influence somebody else what makes people act the way they do is because what makes it drunks like to be with drunks. As my mother used to say the old proverb, and I think it's southern here too, birds of a feather flock together because they have things in common. You don't see crows and doves dwelling together because they don't have no fellowship. They don't have things in common. The crow can fly on a dead carcass and eat it. Then, uh, but the dove will go to the wheat field and eat the grain. Now I want you to know what the devil can do. Now the dove cannot sit on the dead carcass and eat. But the crow can eat the dead carcass and also eat the wheat. He's a hypocrite. See? The dove can't do it because her makeup is different. That's right, that's right. Now a person can't impersonate Christianity, but a Christian can't impersonate sin. The spirit that's in him won't let him do it. He has, the dove, the reason she couldn't eat that, it would kill her. She has no gall, as we spoke the other night. She has no gall. If she eat it, it would kill her. The poison would kill her. She can't do it. But the crow can both eat the dead carcass and the wheat also. So that's what an impersonator can do. But a real genuine Christian can be nothing else but a pure article of God. Praise the Lord. Now, a few weeks ago, at the Christian Businessman's Convention in Minneapolis, I heard a testimony that struck me. And um, the man is a great plowman. What is his name? I forget now. Brother Krauss. Very fine man. Brother Krauss made a testimony 
which brought this to my mind, that when he got sick, he was a bosom friend to Oral Roberts. And Oral Roberts is a fine Christian brother. And he and Brother Oral were just like that together. Well, first thing you know, he thought, well, if something would ever happen to me, only thing I'd do would be go to Oral and I'd be over with. Now, when you get those ideas, you're wrong. Right? You never think that man has anything to do with it. It's God alone. So after you respect man and love him as your brother, but don't ever put the love of anybody in your heart like you have of God or before God. Keep him first. Love one another. But that love in the Greek word is filio, which means human love. But the love you have for God is a gospel love, which is a divine love. So now, keep God's love first. But then Brother Krause said that he always had such great faith in Brother Roberts. One day he, he found out he had a kidney trouble, kidney stone. He said, oh, my, that's easy. I'll just go down to Brother Roberts when I had dinner with him. Oral said, sure, we can take care of that. Right away, Brother Krause raised up, laid his hands on him and said, rebuke the thing. said, he felt better. Went home for a day or two, is back again. Goes back to Brother Roberts and says, Brother Roberts, the thing's back on me. We pray again. And he rebuked the thing again. Felt better for a few hours, back again. Kept doing that till he found out that he didn't, wasn't getting any work. Oh, man, if Oral fails, I know somebody won't fail. Brother Branham, he sure won't fail. So he said, I know what I'm standing before this. That gift, he'll tell me just exactly what to do. But I'll find where he's at. I was in Shreveport, Louisiana, in the last meeting here. He come over to the Washington Uri Hotel, him and his lovely wife, and he said, Brother Bram, I'm going to try to get a prayer card. They give it to him every night. He never was called in the line. Loving him away. Just when he was starting to leave, he was down in the, the lobby. I was there when he come by. He started crying, and he went out and shook my hand. I said, Brother Crown, I want you to come up to the room. Come with me. And I went to the room and I said, Now, Brother Krauss, let us pray. I'll stand before you and before God, before God and you, rather, and I'll see what the Lord tells you. I humbled myself before the Lord, went out the way I always do to try to find, and the Holy Spirit come down and struck me and refused to say a word to him. I said, That don't happen very often. Let us try it again. And we prayed again and said, Now, Lord, if we did anything wrong, why, you forgive us for it. We don't mean to be uh, doing anything wrong. But Brother Krause is my good brother, and he wants to know what your will is for him. Will you speak to me, Father? And now I offer to thee, not myself, for I have nothing to offer, but I come in the name of the Lord Jesus for his sake. And now, Brother Krause, my brother, stands before me, who's helped me many times in great troubles and things and, and so forth and we've been brothers. Now will you speak, Lord? And I humble myself before the Lord and the Holy Spirit refused to say a word. Then nothing I could do. Very seldom about once or twice in my life I ever seen it do that. So then I didn't know what to tell him. I said, Brother Christ, I don't understand it. And I said, I'm afraid to ask again. So we went ahead and I prayed for him, laid hands on him, went away and he said, you know, I feel better. I ain't got a pain right now. Went away for about about three or four weeks. It was all right. All at once, one night, it began to come again. Now he said, Lord Jesus, I love you. And I've been to Brother Roberts and Brother Brandon. 
And what am I going to do? He said, now, I don't want to go to any doctor. I don't want to go. But uh, what shall I do? And so then, finally, he was drawn to a doctor. And when he went to the doctor, they sent him to Mayo. Mayo looked him over and said, well, friend, you've got about one chance out of 1,000 of ever living over another moon. Said your operation might be if we would remove the stones, but it set in something, and said if we remove that, it might kill you on the operation. He said, you're just near death, and you've got one chance out of a thousand of ever pulling through it. Well, he said, let me think it over. And he loves the Lord. Anybody knows Brother Crown? He's a real Christian. He said, dear God, you know I love you. I've done everything I know to do. But then now, if it's my time to come home to you, I'm ready to come. But I love you, and my last word to you is, I love you. And you know my heart that I love you. And he went on to the operation. The doctor kind of hesitated a little bit to do it. But after the operation was performed, he woke up, and he said the whole entire room was lit up by the glory of God. And the doctors couldn't even understand how quickly what happened when love had been projected and come to its end, sovereign grace kept in its other place. It'll do it every time. That's God's nature. He can't do nothing else for anybody. But when you really, truly love Him, love Him is not just a mythical thought. But I mean in your heart he becomes dear to you. Now, just like you put trust in him, you believe him. Just like you do your wife. When I leave home, I don't have to say, come in here, Miss Branham. We'll have a little talk now. I'm fixing to leave. Don't you have any other husbands while I'm gone. Don't you do this, that, or the other. And uh, she said, now, my dear man, that's very good. But I'm going to tell you, don't you have any more wives while you're gone. And uh, you better be true to me. We never think of that. Why? We love one another. I never even think about it. I just go in, I say, Goodbye, sweetheart. Pray for me. He said, I'll be on my knees every night praying for you. God be with you. That settles it till get back. She don't worry about me. She knows I love her. And as long as I love her like that, she'll never have to worry. If I thought I could do something, get by with it. And I'd tell her about it and she'd forgive me for it. I wouldn't do it anyhow. I love her too much to do it. I look at her and think of that poor little girl, 35 years old and completely gray-headed and stood between me and the public, the mother of my three children. There's something in my heart wouldn't let me do it. When I look at my Lord and see he died down on Calvary, the lovely from me, the unlovely, he the pure from me, the unpure, to save me from a death of sin and an eternity in hell. Yeah. Something in me, if I could get by with it, I don't want to do it. I love him. Yes, sir. I love him. Even I thought if I was going to do it, he'd forgive me for it. I don't want to do it anyhow. I don't want to do nothing to hurt him. I love him too much. That's what we have to have. It's something in your heart. Love. Oh, say, don't condemn me to smoke. I I drink a little. I... Well, brother, you don't love him, something's happened. <laughs> if you really love him, I remember the first little Bible I ever got. I first started the preaching. 
used to be in the Baptist church, somebody keeps asking, Brother Brandon, you think it's wrong to smoke? You think it's wrong to drink? And I wrote a little answer in my Bible, I had to answer that. I said, don't ask me foolish questions. Make this up in your mind. If you love the Lord with all your heart, you won't smoke your drink any time. That's the whole good night. Right. If you love Him, though you could do it and get by with it, you wouldn't do it anyhow. If you love Him. That's what real, true, genuine, agape love does. The Christian loves the Lord. And He loves Him in such a way that there's nothing can separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus, Paul says. Neither death, sorrow, neither perils or imprisonments or anything can separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus. Oh my! The real truth. And my brother, when you get that in your heart with that type of love, that will beat anything else that you can substitute for. That's exactly right. I don't care how much you spoke with tongues, how much you shouted, how many great services you've had or been in, how well your name's on the book, how many times you've been baptized, and which way, it never will mount to one thing until that real, genuine, Holy Ghost love sinks into your heart so you love Him above everything else there is in the world. Right. We put so much stress on the evidence of the Holy Ghost. The Methodist says you have to shout before you got it. A lot of Methodists shouted and didn't have it. <laughs> the Pentecostal said speak with tongues when you got it. A lot of them spoke with tongues and didn't have it. That's right. But brother, when you come to a place where you've got love, it never will fail. right. If my wife trusted me because I give her $10 every time I left, well, brother, that wouldn't be very much sign of love here. I'll be right and true. But when she knows that I love her, when I know she loves me, then there's a perfect trust between each other. No, no worry at all. Then when you've got perfect love of God in your heart, you don't question God about anything. When the Bible says, I'm the Lord, He is all our disease, you say, Amen, Lord, that's right, that's me. Tarry right. right. in the city of Jerusalem, what you do is tie on high. That was me, Lord. Peter said, Repent, everyone of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. You shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. Promises to you and your children and fall, even as man's Lord our God for God. Amen, Lord. That means me. That settles it all. Anything God says you love him so much you believe it. Oh, I feel real religious right now. To think that perfect love casts out all fear. You don't scare about nothing. You're just resting. You're not, oh, I may backslide tomorrow. I may backslide next week. I don't worry about that. I'm not trying to hold on. I, he held on for me. And he put a love in my heart that holds there. It's him holding me, not me holding him. If it's me holding him, I'll probably turn loose. But as long as he's holding me, he'll never turn loose. He promised he wasn't. I'll never leave thee nor forsake thee. Amen. <laughs> Oh, he hear my words and leave alone him and say, everlasting life, and shall not come into condemnation, but pass from death unto life. I'll rest my solemn soul upon that word of God and stand and say, as long as I know there's something in me making me love the Lord Jesus so well I don't want to do wrong, I'm anchored. That's right. That's Amen. Right. Something there. If I tried to say, well, I, I quit this and I quit that, I, I doubt that. But when something in here happens, that's what does it. 
I remember after I lost my wife, I stood there with the side of my baby and it died. I put my hand over and said, the mother had just been taken from the hospital where she died and was taken to the morgue. A man comes and said, Billy, I got some bad news for you. I went home and was crying laying on the bed. said, I got some bad news for you. I said, what? I know she just died a while ago, Brother Frank. That's not all your baby's dying too. I rushed to the hospital, just a little bitty thing, eight months old, just in her little three corners, and she, I used to blow the horn on my truck, and things come around. She'd go and raise her little arms for me. How I love that child. My first little girl. And I went in to the hospital quickly, and the nurse said, you can't go down there, Mr. Brown. I waited as she left. I went around behind the door and went out anyhow. Said she had meningitis. She worked with meningitis. I went into the room. There she was laying there. The windows was up and flies had got in her eyes. I run the flies out, put the little mosquito bar over it. I looked at her again. She's laying there kind of quivering. I said, Sherry, honey, you know, Daddy? My poor heart breaking. My wife laying down there in the casket, the mother of the baby. And her little arm was moving up and down. She had suffered so hard, her little eyes were crossing. One little blue eyes already crossed. I said, you love Daddy, honey? Uh, Daddy, come in. And I seen her quivering. I know she recognized I was there. I knelt down. I said, oh, God. Well, I love her. Don't take her, God. No, don't take my baby. Please don't, God. And just then I looked up, and there come a black sheet unfolding, coming down like that. I know he was going to take her. I put my hand on her little head. I said, the Lord gave, the Lord taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. I said, God, you gave her to me. You're taking her back. I said, Sherry, honey, I'll lay you in your mother's arms in another hour. But someday, honoring glory, by the help of God, Daddy, I'll meet you. Oh, how everything was gone. I stood up on the hill up there when the baby laying on the mother's arms. I heard the preacher say, ashes to ashes and dust to dust. They bury my heart. When I seen that young wife of 22 years old, been married a little over two years, holding a little Billy on my arms and him looking, oh, Mama, Mama, reaching for her. And his little sister laying on the mother's arms. An old turtle dove sat in the bush of coon. I heard the clods drop when we were poor, had to bury almost in a potter seal. I heard the clods drop down there and the preacher said, ashes to ashes and just enough. It seemed like coming down through them pine trees, there was a breeze blowing, and there's the land beyond the river that they call the sweet forever. And we only reached that shore by faith degree. One by one we gained the portal there to dwell with the immortal. Someday they'll ring those golden bells for you and me. About two weeks afterwards, I couldn't get over it. I went back to work. About a month or two, I was going up the road. I had my hands behind me, no pair of boots on. I couldn't go home. I couldn't go over. My heart was broke. And the state senator of Indiana, Mr. Eisler, comes to my church. I was going walking up the road like that. I heard a little truck coming. I looked around. He stopped. He jumped out. Run over there and he put his arms around me. I was crying. He said, Billy, how you feeling? I said, Mr. Eisler, you know how I'm feeling. But I want to ask you one thing solemnly, Billy. I said, all right. Ask me, Mr. Eisler. But what do you think about the Lord Jesus now as you're taking your baby and your wife? Everything you have. I turned around, took him to the hand, looked him in the eye. 
I said, Senator, I want to tell you something. He's more like to me. He said, Do you love him? I said, With all my heart, with all my soul, and with all my strength. After taking your wife and baby, I said, So he would send me into hell. If there's such a thing as I can love him now, I'd love him anyhow. He's right and I'm wrong always, and he's always right. I love him. Oh, I'm so glad to know that by grace he put that in my heart. That powerful thing of love, it conquers. It'll, you can conquer your husband if he won't go to church and he fusses at you for going. Just pray. I don't try to put it on. If you do, it won't work. But you really get such a love in your heart for his soul. You'll know it. Don't you worry. The husband is sanctified by the believing wife. Vice versa. You can't fool it. You can't bluff it. It's got to really be there. That's the reason we're genuine faith. People sometimes think they got faith when they haven't got it. You've got to really have it. I've seen that same conquering power. As you know, I'm a lover of outdoors and love the wild. Raised in the woods. My mother about a half Indian. And I love the wild. I was game warden in Indiana for years. Studied wildlife. Lived in it all my days. My old granddad was a noted national hunter. And I've hunted all over the world nearly. I love wildlife. But I tell you, there's something about genuine. There's something about real that everybody will know. You won't have to go around testifying this other. If you're a real lover of the Lord, everybody you come in contact will almost know it. You are written epistles. You are sealed. And a seal is on the back side, the same is on the front side, both going and coming. People know that you're a Christian. You walk different, live different, act different. You are different when you become a Christian. I remember one time, I might have told you this, how that I have seen wildlife conquered by the love of God. How many ever read my book called Man Sent from God? It was wrote here by Brother Lindsay, many of us. You remember the maniac that fell on the platform that night across my feet? You remember that story? What happened? I wish I could explain that. I've had it happen many times in my life. I have it to happen every time that a miracle is performed. I, it's something you have to enter in. Here a few weeks ago, Brother Jack and I were standing on the platform before thousands of thousands of people down in Mexico. And a poor old Mexican brother come up. He was blind. And he had a shawl laying over him. Dirty, dusty. And the poor old fellow had a little cross in his hands to say a Hail Mary or something. I told him that wasn't necessary. So he come up and he wanted to come up to where I was. I looked at the old fellow. I seen his gray hair from under his big old straw hat where he pulled it down. And he was saying something in Spanish. I couldn't understand it, but the notice was telling me what he was saying. And he come over to where he was at, and he put his arms up on my shoulders. Something struck me. Yeah, yeah. I looked at him, about 70. I said, that'd be about the age of my old dad if he was living. I looked at his feet. Didn't have on any shoes. I thought he maybe he never had a pair of shoes. All of a sudden, something began to move me. I put my foot up the side of his to see if my shoes would have fit him. I thought my shoes fit him. I'll take him right off now and get into it. He maybe never had a pair of shoes. 
I thought, here he is. I pulled him up close to me, see if my shoulders and his. He was wider. I'd give him a coat. I loved him. Somebody loved him. I thought, look at there. There's a poor old fellow maybe never sat down to a good, decent meal in his life. Maybe he never wore a pair of shoes, his old rusty, scaly-looking feet, his toenails all turned up. I'm a poor old fella. He's got just as much right to a good pair of shoes as I got. Got just as much right to wear a good coat as I can. Got just as good a right as much right to sit down to a good meal as I have. And besides all that, the devil has blinded him. See what it was? Somehow, I entered in, not me, the Holy Spirit. Oh, God, was taking me into the feelings. Oh, when you can project your life. was taking me into a feeling of love for the old man. And directly he put his arms over my shoulders and began weeping on my shoulders. Then something happened. I thought that cursed blind devil that's blind of this poor old man that's never had any privileges. Why well, said you blind spirit come out of him? Yeah. And all of a sudden he opened his eyes and he began to scream, I can see. What was it? Projecting the love of the Holy Spirit. That's the way it happened. Yeah. Yeah. When that poor man ran to the platform to take my life that night, threatened he would do it. Rolled up his big arms before 60, 500 people besides 100 standing in the streets in the rain. He said, you hypocrite, tonight I'll break every bone in your body. I never said a word. I looked at him. I weighed 128 pounds and him nearly 300. Seven foot something tall. Maniac. Out of sound. And he rolled up there and he... Now instead of... Well, I was scared, sure. But when I looked at him, something began to happen. Instead of thinking, oh, if I was big enough, I'd whip you. Instead of that, I got to thinking, poor brother, the devil's got him down. Why, he wants to love me as much as I love him. He can't help being like that. That's not him cursing me. That's the devil. That is uh, any man. It's not the man that's cursing you that you want to get angry with and kill him in a few minutes. It's the devil making him do that. Not your brother. It's the devil he's possessed with. And he made a great big threat. And before I could say anything, the Holy Spirit began to speak. And instead of hating the man, I loved him. And the love of God was projected to him. And he rolled around his big eyes like that and fell on my feet in the floor. Love conquered. I've heard him talk about bad dogs. I happen to be, I'm not afraid of a dog. You not what makes a dog bite you is because you're afraid of him. Uh, it may sound silly, but it's not. Wild animals. I've never seen one I was afraid of. Because I love them. I've been face to face with grizzly bears and everything else. Because I love the animals. You have to have it, you can't drop it now. You ever see a dog raise his nose? He knows whether you're afraid or not. But you try to bluff him. You might bluff your neighbor, but you can't bluff the dog. He knows. And you can't bluff God. And I say this with all reverence, you can't bluff the devil. I don't care how loud you holler, how much 
kick your feet and he'll just lay right there. But when you really got the article, you don't have to say very much. He knows where it's real or not. Then disciples are screaming and hollering, trying to make this lunatic well. Jesus said, come out of him. <laughs> what happened? The disciples were defeated. But that devil had to know where that voice was coming from. It was from a fountain where the dove of God was setting. He recognized that vibration when it went from him. He knew that was more than a disciple. He knew that was more than Moses. When he kept in Moses, and he made Moses sin. But when he said, If thou be the Son of God, make a miracle here before me, surely, he said, It's written, man shall not live by bread alone. Right. He knew he hadn't met Moses then. That's right. There was something about it. Right. Here some time ago, while I was game warden in Indiana, over at the old birch farm, where the old quarry is, where I go on the graveyard just below where my dear loving wife is resting tonight, her body, her and the baby, right down in there, it's called a birch farm. There's a big old a bull, and he killed a colored man down there. And they sold him up there to a fellow named Guernsey, this side of Henryville. I was letting some fish loose down there in a, in a, a big lake where a stream went through it. This fellow made a lake in there, and he was going to open it up to the public, and we stopped it for him, the conservation. Well, we were supposed to pack a little old pistol around wherever we went. That was a law. We had to do it. So I had to know of a brother across the field that was sick. So I thought, I'll be right over the freight and I'll turn these fish loose. I unbuckled this little old pistol and sewed it up in the car. When I went over there where the, started across the field where the brother was, I forgot that that killer was in the field. So on my road across the field, over, going across that way, a little bunch of shrubs out there, a little scrub oaks, and I happened to get about 200 yards or 300 from the fence, about the same distance the other side, little swamp of a pond in the middle there, and out, and all of a sudden, within 30 feet of me, this killer bull raised up. And there I was. First, I reached for the gun. No gun. See how God makes everything just right? No gun. I looked at the fence. He's too close to me. No tree to get into. Death laid before me. He's a killer. Warnings all around. Don't enter here. But I forgot about it. And there I was. Well, there's only one thing for me to do. Straight myself up and don't die like a coward. Die like a man. I straightened myself up. I thought, well, this is the end of it. I pulled myself up. No near trying to run. He was in 20 feet of me. Oh, just throwing his horns in the ground like that and bellering as all he could. Fall on his knees and throw his horns and kicking the dirt and getting ready. So I was just standing there. That's all I could do. I thought, well, I certainly will do this. I'll not go down a coward. I'll go down showing my love of God in my heart. And I looked back at that bull. And all of a sudden, something happened. Now, this sounds kiddish. It sounds like a little baby talk. But that's what the trouble of us tonight. We try to be here. an adult in God, but we ought to be babies in God. That's right, that's right. We know so much. Yeah. God dwells in the center of humility and simplicity. Don't never forget that. Yeah. I looked at the bull. If anything, I could have cried for him. Well, I thought, poor creature. Well, how wrong I am. Now, ordinarily, I wouldn't feel that way about it. First, I, I was looking for the gun. I got it and had it. I shot him and went and paid for it. But I didn't have the gun. I thought, well, poor creature. Well, I, I, I'm, a, I'm in your pastor. This is your home. And you're just a brute. You don't know any different. 
And you wouldn't want to kill me anyhow. But I disturbed you. I'm sorry I did that. I didn't mean to disturb you. Talking like I am now. I just couldn't help it. There's something talking in me. Oh, my. It's too bad we ever have to leave that. Just submit it. God just took over. And the bull roaring and going on. He lowered his head. Now I said, now, creature of God, I'm the servant of God. I'm on my way to pray for a sick man over here dying. And I'll come across the field here where your home is. I'm sorry I broke into your home. That's what I did. I broke into his home. That's all the home he knows of. Now, now stop and think that's truth. I said, I, I come into your house. I broke in on you. I'm sorry. You forgive me. I'll go across the field. I, I won't bother you. I said, now, in the name of Jesus Christ, our Creator, go over there and lay down again. I'll not bother you. And that bull took towards me as hard as he could. And when he got to about six or eight feet of me, I was a bit more afraid than I am standing right here. Perfect love casts out all fear. I don't care if death is staring in the face. You can say, happy day, happy day, since Jesus washed my sins away. No other Paul can stare in the face of death and say, oh, death, where is your sting? Grave, where is your victory? Sure, through tribulations, he'll learn the love of God. Suffering brings patience. Worst tribulations bring patience, of course. Now, patience makes love. Trust. And when that bull got within about six or eight feet of me, he just threw his feet out and stopped. And he looked at me. He looked this way and that way, so depleted. Just quieting right down. Walked over and laid down. I walked within five feet of that bull and he never even turned and looked at me. I walked right out of the pasture. What is it? It was the love of God. The power of God. You say, Brother Dunham, I don't believe that story. Well, you don't have to. But it's true. The same God that could close the mouth of the lions in the lion's den for Daniel can certainly tame a bull in a few minutes when the love of God has been projected. Then when I love the Lord and the love in my heart comes back to that bull, then when love has come to its end, divine Power's grace steps in to take the place. Hallelujah! Oh, my. I fear when death comes. I want to love the Lord. That when it comes to the place where everything is gone, divine grace will step in someday and pack me across the river of Jordan into a better land where there's no sickness or death or sorrow. I love the Lord. You love the Lord. We have got nothing, no sickness, no diseases, nothing else can separate us. That love of God goes right on. And when you love Him and come to the end where love can't act no longer, in your behalf, sovereign grace will take love's place. Amen. Here some time ago, out in my front yard, I was mowing with a mowing machine, a little old power mower. 
And I'd mow about two rounds. Here come another car load. I'd run around the house and run and put on, take on my overalls and, and put on my clothes. And somebody come be prayed for. I'd pray for them maybe in an hour, hour or more. Nobody else in the line. Then I'd maybe play late evening. I'd slip out, put my overalls on, run out in the front yard and mow a couple more rounds. While the front yard is growing up for it to get in the back. And then I, one afternoon back there, I went back there and nobody. I just slipped on my overalls real hot. I didn't put on any shirt. Nobody could see me, so I was just mowing along there, the little power mower, pup, 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 pup. And I was going along, and I forgot that a big nest of harness was in the corner. And I ran right into that fence, and in less than a second time, I was completely covered over with harness. You know what they are, those great big fellas? Oh, they can kill you. One of them can knock you down. And of course, me with no shirt on. And I, a harness all around me. But something happened. Something instead of being scared, love coming and took its place. You might not want to believe this, but at the judgment bar, you'll see when the secrets of all hearts is disclosed. I was covered over. Not a one that stung me. Now I thought, poor little creatures. Well, that's the only way you have a defense. God gave you that stinger. That's to defend yourself. You've got just as much right. You don't know that was... My offense is just as much yours as it is mine. Don't wrong either one of us. It's God's. So you made your nest right there. Or to be looking out for you. And I'm sorry that I said, I'm the servant of the Lord. And I love you, little fellows. I'm the woo, woo, woo. I said, you don't you try to bless it. You better know what you're talking about. I said, I love you, little creatures of God. I'm sorry, I apologize to you for, for waking you up. But I said, I, I'm serving God's people, and I have to cut my grass. And I was in a hurry. I, I'm sorry I disturbed you. Now, in the name of Jesus Christ, go back into that nest. I won't bother you anymore. I'll go around it. And uh, them still all around me. I, my war never stopped. I just turned loose the handles, raised up my hands to God. I took right a hold of the handles, not a bit more scared of one of them harness than nothing. And God, my solemn judge, them harness made a few rounds around me and made a beeline just as straight back into that nest as they could go. What was it? The projection of love of God brought down the sovereign grace of God. And somehow, how do I know? That with me speaking in English, they didn't give them the interpretation. They heard what I said. I can't tell you. But anyhow, they obeyed the very thing I asked them in Christ's name to do. Love conquers animals, conquers human beings. It's God. You read the possum story. All of you did, I guess. Most of you. There one right here. The boys is right here tonight. Jeannie Leo sitting right over here. I was sitting on the steps last July, I believe it was June or July, July, I believe it's July, last July, Mr. Woods had just been mowing my yard, a rake, laying in the yard, and I was talking to these boys, I call them my students, and so they, um, I was talking to them about a colored girl, the day before, it was in the paper, a young, beautiful young colored woman had had an illegitimate baby. And she wrapped it in a blanket and smothered it to death. And she took it out of a cab and went out there and threw this blanket in the river. All wrapped up with water. The cab driver got suspicious. 
He said, what you throw in there? I said, oh, some stuff I didn't want. The cab driver reported to the police. The police reported to the Coast Guard. They went and sent it out as a baby. So there it was. And I said, she wasn't a mother. She was just a female. That's right. She wasn't a mother. Her mother wouldn't act like that. I said, she didn't have no mother love in her heart. I said, she and no more than I said it, coming in my gate, I'm the fourth person from a little wood about a city block away, across the highway and then down the lane. No one along there has a gate but me in the fence. And uh, here comes into my gate around 10 o'clock in the morning, a possum. And she was leaning like this. Well, anyone who knows what a possum is knows that a possum don't travel in daytime. They're night prowlers. They hunt their prey at night, lay up in the daytime. I've trapped them many times, eat them anyone myself. So I know what possums are. So I, I've seen them coming in. That's my study of wildlife. A study of the nature of them. You see God in wildlife. You see God in nature everywhere. You see God in man. You see God in children. You see God's all around you. I watch him in the birds. Somebody said, uh, my neighbor over had a radio on. Every time he goes to mow the yard, he has to put a radio on with that old rock and roll, shinny-dig, boogie-woogie, every kind of stuff they call it. And I said to him one day, I said, why are you put that on? He said, you know what, Billy? He said, I, I can't even mow as I hear in the radio. I said, it makes me sick at my stomach. And I, he said, well, if you just put one on one time and listen at it, what a help it is. I said, I always have one on. He said, you do? I said, oh, yeah. Every time I start the morning, my radio comes on. I said, I never hear it. I said, oh, you just don't listen to it. <laughs> he said, what is your radio? I said, I get out here and get this old war started. The mockingbirds go to singing. The robins go to whistling. That's the best radio I ever heard in all my life. Right? God sings to me through his birds. Oh, God, what love is. I wish I could somehow have words to tell you. This old possum, come on in. I said, look at there, boys. That possum's got rabies. And I run out there real quick. I said, I better stop her. Coming right to me. And I grabbed this rake and threw it over. I noticed her, her leg on the left side here was just about, all about that big around. Three or four times the size of the possum's leg. The dogs had either got a hold of her or chewed her or either she'd been hit by a car. And there was maggots all over where she's done rotten. Gangrene all set in. Flies, green flies all over. And I said, oh, here's what it is. It's her. Dad's got rabies. I had to under the rake then, the big yard rake, laying down. I said, and Mr. Wood come up across the field. Just then, Mr. Gilmore, the milkman, come in the gate. I said, now, boys, Gene and Leo here, I said, come here. I want to show you something. This possum, and I had to look, and a possum and a kangaroo is the only two animals that has the pocket that they carry their babies in. And so she happened to let down, and when her nerves hit her like that, when I put the rake over, she let down, and only. When she let, let her pocket loose, there were nine little naked possums about like that little bitty fellow that she had in his pocket. Well, as soon as she let down, that little fellow was trying to nurse. And her back to that rib. And I said, here's what it is. Look here. She's a mother. And I said, now come here, Leo and Jean. I said, come here. I want to show you something. What I was just talking to you, I said, this possum, this dumb brute here, is more of a mother than that colored girl is. I said, she hasn't got 30 minutes to live. You can see she can't. She's dying now. And I said, she'll spend that 30 minutes fighting for them little naked babies. And I said, that's mother love. 
That's the love that's in her heart for her baby. I said, she'll die for them babies. And just then, Mrs. Wood, she's a veterinarian. So she come by, Mr. Wood, and I showed it to them, Mr. Gilmore, five or six of us standing around looking. And um, so I uh, said, Miss Wood said, well, uh, Billy said, now the only thing to do is, is kill them. Said, because the possum got a round mouth, you know, and said, it, it can't nurse the bottle, they're too little anyhow. So now you just kill the, the mother, and then take the little ones and just hit them against the ground so that they'll suffer like everything, drinking that, the milk from her like that, said she's dead. And I've seen her biting on her, I said, she isn't dead, said, but she'll die in a few minutes, you see that? I said, I just can't do it. He said, why? I said, I just don't know. I said, I can't do it. He said, well, you're a hunter, aren't you? And I said, yes, ma'am, but I'm not a killer. And so I said, well, why don't you go get your gun and shoot her? I said, I just can't do it. Well, I said, why not? So let Banks do it. That's her husband. I said, I just can't do it. I said, Billy, you mean to tell me you're going to let that old mother lay there like that and that poor little baby drink that milk from her and die a horrible death? I said, Miss Wood, you being a doctor, you or a veterinarian, you know that that's the humane thing to do. But there's something in me. I said, I can't do it. And I said, she's won't alert. She wants to stay with her baby till she dies. I said, she must stay with her babies. So I let her up. And when I did, she took off towards the house. And when she got right in front of my steps, she fell over. So that's it. That's all of it. I said, well, she got to live a few more minutes with her baby. And I went up there and a little pop was trying to nurse her. I punched her. She's exhausted. I tried to pour water on her. I finally got a little kind of way to grin on her. I said, well, so won't you kill the little ones? I said, just, just leave her alone. I said, you don't let her lay there like that, Billy. And I said, yes, ma'am. So all that day we watched her. The little possum was still trying to nurse that night. Mr. Woods came out and said, Billy, you've been going a long time now. Let's take a little ride. Get away from this crowd here. So we went out riding. That night coming down the road, I seen a little puppy laying on the side of the road. I stopped. I went and got him. Oh, he was so full of mange. He stunk. And there was uh, so full of fleas and lice till it was all over my hands. I brought him, put him in the car. My wife said, you're not going to take that. I said, yes, honey. I said, he's a little fellow. He ain't never had a chance to live. She said, Bill, you ain't going to take that thing home. I said, sure, I'm going to pray for him and God's going to let him get well. He's the prettiest big collie you've ever seen today. Sure. Oh, sure, I believe that. I'm sure the dog. His picture will be in a Christian businessman pretty soon in their magazine. So there he is, big, fine collie. Prayer saved his life. His little fellow, he didn't, he didn't have a right to die like that. Somebody dropped him off because he had mange. God's the healer of animals, who seems he is anything. So when we got in about eleven o'clock, there the old possum was laying there. Now Mr. Wood said, Now Billy, you know if she'd ever move. He said, She's gone. I said, Well, that's right. So let me go kill them possums. I said, No. <laughs> we went in all that night. Billy came in, had been fishing about twelve o'clock. Old possum still in there. Next morning about six I got up, went out, six or seven, there the old possum lay there, dew all over. I said, well, I, now I have to look standing behind there. I heard someone snubbing. There's my little girl, Rebecca, the tender hardest little thing. And so she standing there. She said, Daddy, that poor old mother, is she dead? And I said, I don't know, honey. I daddy will see. And I went out there and kind of shook her. I said, I believe she is. And I shook her with my foot again. And the little one said, is that little possum dead? I said, no, they're still nursing. So 
I struck her again like that. I finally seen that she was alive. I said, no, she's still alive. He said, Daddy, what are you going to do for us? I said, I dreamed that old possum all night. I said, honey, I couldn't sleep either. He said, well, I said, what are you going to do with her, Daddy? I said, I don't know, honey. I can't tell you. I said, Daddy, are you going to kill her? And I said, no, honey, I'm not. I said, I'm not going to kill her. I said, you go on and get in the bed. We are too early for you to be up. And I said, you go on now and get in the bed a little while, and Daddy come wake you up. And I kind of pushed her back like that. Went on back. I went into my room on the side of the den room for all the animals that's in there. And uh, so I sat there with my head like this, kind of rubbed my head, and I thought, my, what do I do? I don't know what to do with that old possum. Many people have been healed right in that room. I stand there like that. Many great visions come. And I said, I don't know what to do with that thing. And a voice said to me, well, you preached your sermon about her yesterday being a real mother. Now, I'm not thinking what I was saying or what that was. I said, that's right. I was telling Leo and Jean about what a real mother she was. I said, you used her for a text. I said, that's right. I, I, I did that. I used her for a text. Said, uh, and she's laid at your door for 24 hours waiting for her turn to be prayed for like a lady. And you've never said a word to me about it. I said, well, I didn't even know that she... Who am I talking to anyhow? I looked around the room. My heart began to jump. I said, oh, God, you're here. Kind of down and I said, God, was that you talking to me? Where are you at, Father? I didn't hear nothing. I went out to the old possum again. I looked down at her and I said, God, I, you mean that you, you sent that dumb brute here? Well, I, I know that you, you direct all the sparrows and you know all of them. I've seen you send a lot of people, but this, this is a dumb brute. This, this brute couldn't think she has got a soul. How, how did she get here? Did you send her here to be prayed for? Then if you did, Lord, forgive the stupidity of your servant. I said, I didn't mean to do that. I said, then, Lord God, I pray that you heal the possum if you wanted to live with her babies. And she come here, and that leg all chewed up and laying back like that, and I no more said that. Love had come to its end. Sovereign grace stepped in. That mother possum raised up on all four feet, looked at me, picked up those babies and screwed them in the pocket, strutted right down that lane on all four feet just as normally well as she ever was, a little twist in that tail. Becky Rowell, of course, said, Daddy, is that your possum? I said, Jesus, that's him. And she went to the gate. Turned around and looked at me and just said, Thank you, kind sir. Strutted right over to the woods, and as far as I know, over there happy with her babies tonight. Love! Hallelujah! Love of God! Oh, how he does love! I told you the night about the hunter. When that mother's love stood there on that doe, him squealing like a baby deer, me calling him a brute for doing it. That old mother don't run out there and get the hunter with a gun in his face. That don't ever better than I. That love for that baby was still searching for it. And it brought that hunter under conviction. When he started to pull the trigger, he started quivering. I stand behind him. He laid the gun down and throwed his arms around me. He said, Preacher, pray for me. Leave me to God. I can't have it no longer. It's love. When you see the display of gallant love, you'll see the sovereign grace of God step in every time and take its place. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Here's some time ago, I was coming from Dallas, 
I was flying across Rome. I got in a storm up here over Memphis. The big plane come down the CWA and landed there and they put me in a Peabody Hotel. I couldn't afford to stay in there now. They put me in there for that night. And the next morning they called me and said, be down to, at the airport at 7 o'clock. The limousine will pick you up. Fix your clothes now. Listen close. Said, pick you up at 7 o'clock. I said, all right. Or they picked me up so I could be there at 7. Next morning I got up real early because I'd come out from a meeting. I had some letters I wrote that night. I thought I'd mail these first. The limousine would be along as well. So I walked out and I said to the fellow, which way is the post office? It's straight ahead down that way. I went on, started down, I was going down the road singing, Ah, they're gathered in the upper room, all praying in his name. Baptized with the Holy Ghost and power for service came. Oh, what he did for them that day, he'll do for you the same. I'm so glad that I can say I'm one of them. Walking along down the street like that, singing it in my heart. All at once, something said, Stop. I thought that just impressed me. I said, Oh, come, my brother, seek this blessing that'll cleanse your heart from sin. Something said, Stop. There's a lot of fishing tackle there in the store. I got back in this place like I was looking at fishing tackle so nobody watched me on the street, busy right there. I got back in the corner. I said, Heavenly Father, was that you speaking to me? I kept real quiet. said, Turn and go back and keep walking. You believe in being led by the Spirit of God? I turned and started walking back. Walked on past the hotel. Just kept on walking. I looked at my watch. Already seven. The best for limousine. On down, on down. to come way down there in a little colored district. Where there's colored people. Sun's way up high. I thought, oh, I missed my plane. But something just keeps telling me to walk. So I just kept on walking. That's the way. Don't question God. Do what He tells you to do. So I just kept on walking. And after a while, I looked leaning across the gate, and there was a typical old Aunt Jemima with a man's shirt tied around her head. She was tears running down her cheeks, and I passed by. She said, Good morning, Parson. I said, Good morning, Annie. Walk on by. I said, Wow. She said, Parson. I turned back. I said, Pardon me a minute, Annie. I said, You call me a Parson. She said, Yes, sir. And I said, How did you know I was a Parson? She said, I know you was coming. I said, you knew I was coming? I said, yes, sir. And she said, I've been staying here since four o'clock. I looked on her. And I said, well, bless your heart. She's wet on the back yet. I said, yes, sir, I've been staying here. I said, did you ever read the story about the Shunammite woman? And I said, yes, ma'am. I said, I was that kind of woman. She said, and I promised the Lord if he'd give me a baby, I'd raise it for him. And said, he give me a fine boy. And she said, Parson, I raised that boy, but when he got to be a man, said, a young man, he got with some wrong company, and he done wrong. And said, he got a bad disease, a venereal disease. And said, he's laying in there dying. And said, two days, he's been unconscious. The doctor man says, he's no hope. Said, we's good family here. We never thought of anything like that. And said, he's dying. And said, he's backslid. And she said, Parson, I just can't stand it, you know, my baby dying without knowing the Lord Jesus. And I said, what? Mother love. She said, I prayed for two days. And said, this morning about three o'clock, I, I was dreaming. And I dreamed I was talking to the Lord. And I said, Lord, where is your Elijah? And said, I've seen a man coming with a gray suit on with a little bitty semi-western hat. Well, dress. Said, he said, just wait. 
and said, I've walked right out here and been standing here ever since. I know you were coming. So now I've seen you coming, so I thought, Lord, you stop me. I won't have to say a thing. When I've all let the Holy Spirit tell me to walk, all that my heart, I thought, this must be it, Lord. Then about eight, I, I said, well, Andy, I said, my name is Brandon. She said, I was glad to know you, Parson Brandon. I said, did you ever hear of me? She said, no, sir, I don't believe I ever did. I said, my ministry is praying for the sick. I don't think she was along them lines. But she said, no, sir, I never did hear of you. And I said, uh, the Holy Spirit had me walking down this way. She said, won't you come in? And when I went in, they had an old whitewashed fence and a plow horn hanging on the gate. And when I walked in, that little old colored room where one colored people lived, there was nothing there but a little, an old rug on the floor, just wood like this, and a little old poster bed, but a sign hanging on the wall, God bless our home. I'd rather have that than all the pinups or anything else that you could put in That showed that that was a Christian home. Great big fine boy there, had about, looked like about 18, had the blanket in his hand, goes, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. The dark, it's dark here. Mm-hmm. I said, what's the matter? He came to said, no, he's been unconscious for two days. So he thinks he's out in a big deep sea and he's in a darkness and lost. The tears running down her big old fat cheeks. She said, that's it, Parson. I can't stand to hear my baby die and have it on my heart the rest of my days that my baby was lost. Now, I thought, baby, weighed 180 pounds. Now, but that is a mother's love. No matter what he does, he's still baby. He's still her loving child. I looked at her. I couldn't hardly choke back the tears. Looking at her. And I said, is he very bad? Said, he's dying for him. Said, the doctor man said, no, call him no more. He's gone. I felt his feet real sticky. Now, I don't say, I felt like, it, you know, I personally get like real cold, sticky. And his feet felt cold. I said, well, I guess maybe he is. So then, she, he just kept pulling this. And so, I said, will you let us pray, Andy? And she got down there, looked over at me. And I got the foot of the bed and held the boy with his feet. I said, Andy, will you lead us in prayer? She said, yes, pardon. Oh, brother, you're talking about a prayer. I just cried like a baby. Here, that old saint, this is quiet and cool. The Lord God. She said, last night when you spoke to me, your cold hands made in the dream and told me that this possum was coming. I know that my baby is going to speak to me and say he's saved before he goes. And she thought I had the tears running down both of her cheeks then. When she got through praying, she reached down and got her apron wiped her tears. And she said, Now will you pray, Parson? I said, Yes, ma'am. I put my hand over on her boy. I said, God, my plane's gone. I, I don't know why. But you told me to walk. This must be the case. I pray, God, that you'll be merciful to this boy. Somehow the sovereign love of this woman praying for her baby. You brought me down here. Just then I hear going, Mmm. But oh, Mary, she said, yes, honey. Said, it's getting light around here now. Said, I'm nearing the shore. In a few minutes, he was setting up on the bed. About six months from then, I was going down somewhere in the south. I went in on a train. 
They were about 75 cents for a hamburger on the train. I'd get it by 15 cents. There at the station, I just waited to the pole in at Memphis. And as you get off the train, you know how you walk up to that little restaurant. I was going walking on there that morning. I got on the little that night. And it started down there. I heard somebody say, Hell, Parson Brown! I looked around there, still a little red cap out there. I said, How you, Parson Brown? I said, How'd it do, son? I said, How'd you know me? He said, You don't know me, do you? Tell you remember that morning that if you come down to uh, pray for me, my man in here, you know, we've been out the gate waiting for you. I said, Are you the boy? He said, Yes, the boy, Brown. He said, I, I not only healed, but I'm a Christian now. <laughs> How was it? That morning when I got back to my plane, I jumped in a cab as soon as I left that house and got back, run to the station to see what train, what plane I could get next. It's the last call for this certain place. God, by the love of that poor, ignorant, colored woman, her love for God and her baby had grounded a plane and held it there. Hallelujah! And love is projected. Sovereign grace steps in and takes its place. God knew his gift. God knew what would happen. God had selected this to be so. And the love of that mother had helped. The love of that poor, eager, colored woman probably didn't know why he But she knows the love of God. That's what grounded that airplane. And held it three hours. When I got on, I said, what happened, hostess? She said, oh, there was something happened somewhere else or something hell here. Oh, I know it was. It's happening glory. Amen. I tell you, brother, there's nothing like the love of God. Do you love Him tonight? Is He your Savior? Have you got love that you can protect to Him? That in your dying hour, sovereign grace. Yes, I've got to come to the inner room someday. That's true, brother. One of these nights, I'll preach my last sermon. I'll close this Bible for the last time. I know probably, I hope I'm an old man. Perhaps a few gray beards hanging around. But I'm leaning on the staff and I come to the end of the road. Oh my. I want to look back down through every flower patch and every hill. Everywhere my footprints has been, I hope it's ground for Jesus. When I know I've fought the last hour, I know I've sung the last song, I've prayed my last prayer, I've preached my last sermon. I'm standing on the banks of the Jordan. The old breakers is dashing against my soul. The doctors walk away, the saints stand with bowed heads. I feel the breakers coming in on my soul. Oh, take the helmet off. Lay it down on the riverbank. I want to unbuckle the sandals and slip them off. I want to take the sword and stick it back in the sheath of eternity. Raise both hands up. They sent out the lifeboat, Lord. I'm coming home this morning. Don't worry. He'll be there. He'll be waiting. I want to live for him now. But on that hour, when I go down to the valley shed of death, I want two glossy wings of the Holy Spirit to bear me over the river. He'll be there if you'll just trust Him. Let us speak to Him now. Our Heavenly Father, as we are here in this great revival in the great three ports, these dear southern people are kind and nicest I've ever met in my life. Humble even to the sinners. Seems to be such a lovely people. And I've said it before then, Lord, I'd be a hypocrite to pray like that. Just for them, I'm talking to you, Lord. 
see many of them still in sin, still in darkness. Still they don't know the love of God. They don't know the loving Lord Jesus and what really many of them are trusting because they belong to church. Many of them are believing that they'd be saved at that day because if they're in good standing with their neighbor or with their pastor or with the church, many of them think because they know the Bible real well. Oh, Christ, I'm persuaded tonight that except the man is born again, except his whole nature, his whole lookout, that temper, that indifference towards Christ is changed and humbled, brought down to sweetness, brought down to a place to where God can lead. I'm thinking of the hundreds of letters from Germany, Switzerland, across the world, people sent in saying, pray for me. Like they did that old possum. Oh God, you're going to lead an ignorant possum and lay at the steps. You could stop a fierce bull. The bear that had his paw on the shoulder. Oh God, you who could ground that airplane for a little old colored woman that society would hardly even look at. That the officials of the city probably would study where they would think she's worthy enough to be fed if she was starving. And yet you loved her enough because she loved you that she brought an airplane out of the sky. Held it down on the ground. Marched the poor ignorant boy down there. The prayer prayer faith bar. Into my heart, the feeling that I was dealt by a saint. To see you project your divine love and sovereign grace move in and heal that poor boy with four plus blood. Made a Christian out of my happy hearted mother, perhaps in Memphis yet tonight. Oh God! The great King of Heaven! to even bring a, a low creature like an animal. What more would you do for a man or a woman, boy or girl, that you've died for? God be merciful. Grant the night, dear Jesus. It's how these, these people who have been a little indifferent towards you will realize, Lord, that this love is the only thing that will endure after the church is finished with you. When the church is buried you. When the skin worms eat your body up, the love of God shall still endure. For the poet said, be saints and angels song. It's the love of God. Oh, God, project your love to the lost tonight. Let them know what you did when you come here to the earth and died in their sins. Was made ugly and made death for them. God made death. The immortal God humbled himself in the womb of a woman to become death and sin. To take our ugliness and guiltiness away from us. Oh, it's too much for my heart, Lord. 
I just can't understand it. Why did you do it? How did you include me, poor covered boy? Without God, without hope, and by grace you save us all. The night, the joy bells of heaven rings. Did you come for me tonight? All right, Lord. I'm so happy for you. So happy that we can introduce to a dying, shaking world under the impact of an atomic age. Cobalt, bombs, sin. But introduce a love that can never be stopped by any power or anything. The love of God. Oh, how rich, how pure. How fabulous and strong. It shall forevermore endure. Saints and angels song. Come, Lord. The church has heard many sermons. The church has heard about Jesus, but has never witnessed that real touch of divine love that makes them love the man that's cursing him, to make them pray deeply from their hearts to those who are doing them evil. It'll humble their hearts. Grant, Lord, if there's any here tonight, Lord, without that experience, may they come and receive it just now while the God of love is here. While we have our heads bowed, I wonder, in this audience tonight, excuse me for being a baby singer to platform crying, I don't mean to do that, but if you just only knew it, if you only knew that one was here last night who knows your heart, know that he's right here now. And his love is spreading forth. That's what makes you feel the way you do. And he's projecting his love to you. Now come here and he'll show you his grace. He'll take all your sin away. All your weary away. All that's wrong with you. He'll make it right. I'm his representative. You can't afford to go try to go to heaven without this policy. Won't you come tonight? Will you raise your hands if you want to receive that type of love in your heart? Will you put up your hands to Christ just now? Will your hands bow everywhere? God bless you. 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 That's right. I wonder with your hands bow. Won't you just come right here and stand here at the altar? Will you come up here and stand right here with me while we pray? Oh, the love of God is right here. Moving around in this building. What an atmosphere. This is an atmosphere that I wish I could live in forever. This sweet, humble feeling. What is it? Angels are walking up and down the aisle. All around these posts. Around him. On the outside. Angels of God are moving. Their great wings spread. That's what makes you feel that way. You don't feel like this all the time. You don't see nothing. And he's different one of us when you walk in here a while ago. But I feel it. I'm conscious of it. Won't you come? Walk up here and I'll stand around the altar. Who wants to come first? I believe if one of us make their way. God bless you. Here comes an elderly man, gray-headed, young lady following right along. 
Another lady is even getting up, putting on crutches to come down. God bless her heart. May he let her go back without any crutches. A young lady just at the turning point. A young man coming, walking with him. Will you come move yourself up around the altar? Oh, wow.
but it will be brought up before you at the day of judgment. What are you going to do with it? It's yours. Won't you come? I just feel real strange. Just, it seems 
mark them without words right now. This is something the Holy Spirit is so pleased tonight. Uh, you've done what He said to you. I just know that you're bound to feel the same way I am, Saint. Feels like the Holy Spirit said, ah, that's just what I want. That's what I'm looking at. I imagine the same God that knows your heart standing around here now, knowing that you've done just what He spoke to you to do. Now, if you want to know my true words, it seemed like I just woke up. Now, I heard myself calling you and speaking the words to my lips that He was telling you. Come, that's me talking to you, he said. You've obeyed. Will there be another? Just once more while you bow your head and let's softly sing. Thou the stream of all my comfort. Look at these little girls and old people. More than life to be. Whom have I on earth beside thee? What you going to do with everything you got when death knocks at the door? What you going to do? Do you know him? Do you love him? For not Come on. Last you close your step out to that sweet, lovely voice that's here tonight. Love. You know my ministry. Love. That's my theme. All others that obey to God, standing around there, young and old. Lord, is there anything in my heart won't pass me by? Tell me about it right now. I'll get up with you all right quick. Lord, bring it now. Speak in their Speak just now, God. I'll believe everyone will hear. I'm praying a prayer of faith that you'll speak to everyone. Everyone that needs to come. God bless you, sister. Granted, God, I believe that everyone obeys you. Just speak, Lord. While on earth, thou art calling. Do Anything in my heart, Lord, hurts me. Our Heavenly Father, you alone know my heart. You know how I feel. I'm so happy. I'm so happy. That's what makes me cry. I'm happy just to be here tonight among these people who are willing to listen to the Holy Spirit. As long as they live, they'll never forget tonight. They may be laying someday unconscious on a hospital bed. They may not know their mother, their daddy. They may forget the pastor. They may forget all their associates, wives, children. But they'll always know you. They too got to come down to the inner road from there. That's why they're standing here. Dove of God. Oh, you who can perform miracles. 
you transform them now into sheep. Now they're your lambs. They're here ready to be shorn off. Anything that they hung on to, anything that they thought was their privilege, they're now ready for you to cut it away, Holy Spirit. They want to live for you. Would you turn them down? No, you wouldn't have let them here. If you had any intention of turning them down, you've given them eternal life. You've given them love. You've given them peace. Now they will always remember this. I feel it in my heart, Lord. I feel constrained to say this. And God, as I know my heart, I'm not a hypocrite. I feel, God, that every one of this altar, here around this altar now, has been accepted in your sight. I feel it by the witness of the Holy Spirit that they're now safely. Their names are on the book. Angels are saving. Bells of heaven are ringing. Satan's defeated. They're moving back down the corners of hell with their black flags draping. The angels have gone to heaven to rejoice around the throne where mothers and fathers are waiting. To hear the message coming back from this meeting tonight. They got boys and girls sitting here. Where loved ones have gone on or waiting. The angels coming back saying, Yes, they walk humbly. They come humbly, not stiff, starchy, but they come broken hearted, weeping. And the Bible says, He that goeth forth weeping will doubtless return again, rejoicing, bringing with him presence. Make them toll in their car, in their neighborhood, or wherever, or to the four corners of the earth. Someday, Lord, we're this big in love. Someday, the loving Savior will come. The great millennium will take place. Oh, when we see Him, see Him sitting there. Oh, God. See, tonight we'll have the privilege to help crown Him. King of kings and Lord of lords, and we'll sing redemption songs, while around the earth we'll send angels with their heads bowed, while we're crowning. They don't know us about redemption. They've never been redeemed. They didn't need it. We were the ones who was lost. We know what it means to be lost. They don't. We don't know how to appreciate you, God. How to worship you and sing redemption songs because we were lost. And now we're found. We were blind, but now we see. How we thank you for this. Oh, God, my heart is bubbling over. God, this is worth the whole trial of two weeks of hot weather and everything else. Just to feel this in my own heart. Stand here in the presence of God. The great Holy Spirit that I know is standing here. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Sinners and lukewarm and church members have wept their way back to Calvary. We're all laying around the cross now. Just sobbing in the goodness of God's grace and love. Our hearts are full of joy. 
unspeakable is also. I wonder, with our heads bowed, I wonder if any of the saints or one without the Holy Spirit would like to take your... I've never felt this for years. I don't know when I ever felt the Holy Spirit so so dense as it seems to be right here now. Just everything's one big bundle of love. Just looks like there's not a hill thing in the meeting. Oh, I just love this. I hope when we have a healing service like this, this is wonderful. Would any of the saints or somebody out there that hasn't received the Holy Spirit would like to come and stand in this congregation? Come on up. Would some of the saints like to come and bathe in this good of God? Move on up. Won't you come? That's fine. Good. That's wonderful. Maybe a new sick would come up. Stand around. Maybe it'd be healing. Oh, it's right here. Here's a fountain filled with blood. Oh, just look, come